Oh yes indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like why do you turn down the volume on your radio when driving and looking for an address? And what colour does a choked Smurf go? Ever choked a Smurf, Greg, by the no, way? No, I haven't done uh, that for quite a while. I, I just wondered what colour that might go. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions and Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out the lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. I will start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has experimented all week by tying buttered toast to the back of a cat, and then dropping it to see what happens. How did those experiments go for you? Terrible. Welcome to tonight's show. Bonjour. Bonjour. Comment allez-vous? Huh? Ça va? What? Très bien. <laughs> so you start these things. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has spent the last month trying to imagine a world with no hypothetical situations. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. And finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the legend that is the calm and unflappable Gregory Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside 
broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. So at any moment, can in theory mute my microphone? Greg, you're a farmer. If corn comes from corn oil, where does baby oil come from? Well, actually, corn oil comes from corn. <laughs> <laughs> so it does. So, so apparently baby oil comes from babies? Uh, Walmart Pharmacy, I believe. Oh, um, okay. For correcting my English, you are now on minus five. <laughs> Good start. And what a fabulous start to tonight's show. Now, very rarely do we plug our own products on more questions and answers, but I will say that my latest book is called Mysterious Minnesota, and I will mention that because... I am planning to write a second book called More Mysterious Minnesota. It took a very long time to come up with a second title for the next book. So I'm currently on the process of looking around the state of Minnesota, looking for haunted and historical buildings to investigate. And I managed to end up in New Ulm because I've never done an investigation in New Ulm. And uh, I know the city or the town has an extended history, especially with the Sioux Uprising and so forth. So I took a visit to the brewery. Now, the brewery is very old. It's celebrating 150 years, of course. And the reason there's lots of breweries in Minnesota is that the Germans came over here in the 1850s and 1860s due to the German Revolution. And, of course, the Germans come into Minnesota and they bring all their lagering and brewing techniques with them. So the heavy German influence in Minnesota then created breweries because they wanted to then start brewing their own beer, just like they did back in Germany. Now, I arrived late at the brewery. There was a tour taking place. It had just started. It had left the gift shop and was meandering around the brewery. And I said to the lady at the ticket office, is it possible I can just jump on the end of this tour? Because obviously I want to know a little bit about the history of the building and a little bit about the place. So I paid my $3, I think it was, and I joined the end of this tour, expecting a tour of the buildings, a tour of the history of the place. What I failed to realise, jumping in at the end was it was actually a beer tasting tour. Now, the reason this is amusing, of course, is because I don't drink. And uh, beer, of course, would be the last thing I'd, I'd want to drink. And uh, what then happened as a teetotaler, because going on a beer tasting trip of a brewery is, of course, on most people's bucket lists, I would suggest. I'm sure Greg wouldn't turn down a trip to a, a beer tasting at a brewery. So there I am, sat in the Ratskeller, you know, underground there with all the benches laid out. I had 12 beers placed in front of me a notepad. It was already professional. People were making notes and the first beer arrives and I'm meant to take a sip out of it. So obviously as a, a very polite Englishman, I don't want to say to them, I'm on the wrong tour. I don't like beer. Can you imagine you're in a brewery and they're presenting <laughs> all their fabulous beers that they're incredibly proud of that's won awards all over the nation. And I'm sat there with a face on me. So I try the first beer, trying not to screw my face up because it, it does taste disgusting in my mind. And the gentleman who's leading the tour is saying to me, well, this first beer is a lager, so it's been brewed over a six to eight week period of fermentation. What you should get is the meta-narrative of some chocolate and maybe some coffee coming through with a hint of citrus, and he carries on like this. I take a sip. It is truly disgusting. Um, then the second beer comes along. Same kind of thing. Oh, this one, you'll get the hint of, of berries. There's going to be a you know, a meta-narrative, a flavour coming through here of a of, of slightly more woody taste because this one's a pills and it's only been brewed for six six weeks. And I take a sip of that and it tastes exactly like the first one. <laughs> but everyone's there nodding and making notes. Subsequently, I end up drinking or tasting 12 beers and I came out green. Um, so if anyone wants to go on a beer tasting tour, I can recommend it. Um, but do make sure that you like beer 
that would be the main prerequisite of that. <laughs> we shall start our show. By the way, if anyone knows of any interesting historical places in Minnesota that we could investigate and include in the next book, we do a very professional job, of course, and it's all about the social history of Minnesota, plus the ghosts and all the hauntings. And if people want to read what I do, then Mysterious Minnesota, Digging Up the Ghostly Past in 13 Haunted Sites, is available from all good bookshops and from Amazon. It's published by Llewellyn Press. And if you write to me, I will autograph a copy for you and you shall get that post haste we start our quiz of the evening greg is on minus five already but the first round is <laughs> ghosts and hauntings heather i'm gonna let you start tonight's show you've had a resplendent run of form recently i believe you won last week's show what have you got for me tonight you've forgotten you haven't stopped talking about it all week <laughs> what have you got for me under the theme of ghosts and hauntings tonight let's get off to a good start Body of woman who committed suicide placed in a dumpster mistaken for April Fool's Day prank. Well, thanks for cheering everybody up. Come on! That is outrageous. (laughs) The corpse of an elderly Florida woman was placed in a dumpster Wednesday after the apartment building desk clerk mistook it for a mannequin that was part of an April Fool's Day prank. The 61-year-old clerk, Ronald Benjamin, first saw the 96-year-old woman's body while he was taking a smoke break and returned to work thinking it was a joke. Hang on a second. How many mannequins have you ever seen that look 96-year-old and are green? I have no clue. I don't know how this could happen. It does seem very bizarre. And also, I'm a big fan of going through dumpsters. I mean, it's a lifestyle decision for me. Wow, you're and a I've, dumpster diver, huh? Well, I have found mannequins in dumpsters, and I've donated them and to... And dead bodies. I've never found a dead body, but <laughs> I guess the option is there, having having lived in Minnesota. Um but yeah, I gave them to the local historical society. They're very expensive. Mannequins, you know, don't don't come around very often, and they are very pricey. I actually found one at a um, we call them dirty kid days around here. It's where everybody throws their junk that they don't want in their house that won't fit typically in a garbage can. And it's I, just the guy sat there in a like an easy like a lazy boy eating Doritos out in the yard, where his wife's just wheeled him out there, hoping to be taken away at some point. That could happen, <laughs> but uh, we call them dirty kid days, and it's absolutely fun run, rummaging through other people's trash. Well, this one time, I actually picked up a half a mannequin or a torso, and it was a male torso. Was it in proportion? Better. <laughs> Better than proportion. I almost kept it for myself. And I gave it to our lovely friend Lorna for Christmas. Yes, the uh, state director for MUFON at one time uh, yes. for Minnesota. And yeah. his name is Manny, and he dresses up for all seasons. <laughs> so let me just get this right, if anyone's listening. Lorna Hunter, the, the uh, one-time state director for MUFON for the whole of Minnesota, has a better-than-ratio mannequin that she currently now has in her possession. I just want to get yes, this Yes, he's probably sitting in her living room. <laughs> <laughs> and she loved it. I bet she did. It's the perfect man in many ways, isn't it? Because he's got no arms and legs. And, he's and he can't got, talk back. And he's fully proportioned. That's right. Everything see, you would ever perfect. want. Perfect. I see where this is going. So what happened then? This woman was found in a dumpster, 96, green, but yes. mistaken for a mannequin. Yes. When another employee made a comment about the body, Benjamin took her... Uh, told her it was a prank and then got two people who were delivering the newspapers to help him put the body in a dumpster. So not only did he see it, but he got two people to help him put the body in the dumpster. <laughs> Surely you would, that must have been a very stiff body at that point, mustn't it? Rigor mortis. Well, it That's why they on, thought it was a mannequin. 
Yeah, or it depends on how old she is, doesn't it? Or, or how old, how dead she is, doesn't it? I don't want to go. When does rigor mortis set in? I think you've got a few hours. There is a state, isn't there? After a few hours of death, that's when everything coagulates and and the stiffness arrives. And then, uh, Greg, are you following this? And then, <laughs> and then after, when do you get stiff? That's what I want to know. I think it's a couple of hours, <laughs> and then by the end of the radio show, I'm guessing if we're an hour and a half. Well, something to look forward there for everybody. It's just a shame <laughs> we're doing this on the radio. Greg, you can put your pants back on now. I would. Uh, I don't want to go into too graphic a detail, but if you if you're 96 year old and you're dead, wouldn't you be like gripping hold of like large amounts of like skin and so forth? I mean, it's not. She hasn't got the body of a taut 18 year old at this stage, is she? Whatever she's wearing is going to need ironing, is what I'm saying. Wow. No, we're going to go on with the story, I think, before we analyze that any further. His first reaction to this was that it was an April Fool's Day prank. Mike Poots of St. Petersburg Police Department um, had said a 16-year-old boy actually helped him carry the body into the dumpster where, again, they thought they were disposing of a mannequin. Where Where was she? Just laying on the sidewalk? Yeah, apparently. It appears at this point that the desk clerk earnestly believed that the victim's body was that of the mannequin and that blood found at the scene was faked as part of an elaborate, practical April Fool's Day joke. Consequently, no criminal charges will be filed. When the police searched the woman's apartment, they found a suicide note. Most people that are looking at this are going to assume that these people are all fools. But honestly, it does appear that this was just an honest mistake. Benjamin has since been fired. So ultimately, my best advice for everyone listening to this show is if you're going to die on the sidewalk... Don't do it on April Fool's Day. Any other day except April Fool's Day, I would suggest. There are points to be had all round. I shall give you a resplendent three for starting the show off so well. Yay! I've got a story here based on the theme of uh, talking to the dead, ghosts and hauntings and so forth. This story actually makes me feel homesick because the title of the story reads South End Student emerges from coma with psychic powers now south end has mixed memories for me south end is a very small coastal town it's in essex and uh, it's only about 25 miles from where i was born and grew up and what people in east london would do is have the day out at south end because you could jump in the car go up the a127 and be in south end in an hour and uh, ultimately it's the seaside you could have fish and chips and candy floss i believe you call it uh, cotton candy over here you have the smell of chip fat and electricity wafting through the air and there's arcades so this makes me feel very homesick in actual fact i have a scar if anyone goes onto facebook and uh, friends me they'll see a small scar underneath my nose in the shape of a star and when i was a small boy i loved the seaside so much that they have a set of concrete steps at South End that go down from the cliffs all the way to the beach. And I was with my grandparents back in about 1975, this was. And uh, when I saw the sea, I was so excited as a little boy, I went running down these concrete steps to the to the beach and I fell over. And I kind of bounced on every step all the way down. And uh, ultimately, that is why I have a scar underneath my nose where my, my beard doesn't quite grow, my moustache, I guess. My poor grandmother... Because when I got up, I'd grazed my face as well. So I've got a face like Freddy Krueger at this point. And can you imagine my grandmother, you know, taking me out for the day, having to give me back to my parents looking like that? And that's the only time I ever saw my grandmother drink because uh, my dad gave my grandmother a large brandy at that stage. But everything's good now. And uh, other than the scar under my nose, 
there are no long-lasting effects, I hope. It says when Rob Ball was viciously attacked outside a South End nightclub in 2009, the six-foot-eight gentle giant was in a coma for two weeks and his family thought he'd never recover. However, since waking up, the former nightclub promoter discovered he had what appeared to be psychic powers. Ball, then 23, was in a car park after a night out when he was punched in the side of the head, causing lasting trauma to the left side of his brain. He lost most of his memory and had to learn basic skills such as walking all over again. Speaking soon after the devastating attack, Ball said, It feels like my head is going to blow up and I'm convinced I'm going to die all the time now because it had such an impact on my life. I get deja vu all the time. I don't know if it's something to do with my head injury, but I keep thinking I remember this before and think something is about to go wrong. However, soon after leaving hospital, Ball began to hear voices in his head that told him things about other people. Soon they were so clear that I was telling people what popped in my head about them, often strangers in the street. I was getting messages predicting illness, love and death. People are shocked when I can tell them their personal details. Ball's mother, Chrissy Bacon, says she found her keys when she lost them in her mum's house. The 27-year-old was also predicted the sex of seven unborn babies and said he now wants to be a professional psychic. The Brain Injury Rehabilitation Trust charity says it has never heard of anyone claiming to be psychic following head trauma, but has had cases of people acquiring new skills are adopting foreign accents. I'm not English, you know. I uh, was actually born and raised in Iowa. <laughs> Somebody knocking in the I side just, of the head. I just got a knock to the head. <laughs> That's what did it. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I have to go back to one thing on your story. Sure. What did you call cotton candy? Candy floss. It's called candy floss. <laughs> okay, just had to check that. <laughs> I don't know who invented it. It's, it's uh, one of those things that doesn't travel um, it's just sugar, isn't it, basically? But yeah, candy yeah. floss is, is what we'd call that, a tuft of cotton candy floss. And you get oh. that at the seaside, traditionally. If you went to any of the coastal towns around Britain, there'd be arcades and fish and chips. And the fish and chips would be so fresh that you'd be getting the fish that evening. And it was swimming in the sea that very morning. So I, I really miss um, fish and chips, I guess. In <laughs> Minnesota, you couldn't get further away from the sea, could you? I mean, the nearest coastline must be a couple of thousand miles away, I would guess. Yeah, cotton candy. What have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? PETA wants Jeffrey Dahmer's home to be turned into a vegan restaurant. Uh, Oh, that man's repeating on me. (laughs) Bath Township, Ohio. April 7, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals has a strange suggestion for what to do with serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer's childhood home in Ohio turn it into a vegan restaurant that's where i got hit on the head in ohio ohio (laughs) (laughs) all the states are the same over here i just i get muddled up uh... Uh, the three bedroom three bath home in bath township where Dahmer killed the first of his 17 victims was recently put on the market for two hundred and ninety five thousand dollars did he did he bury him there because surely that would be a three up 17 down wouldn't it um later in the story (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a bit early for the inappropriate bell but i thought i'd introduce it when would i ever get a chance to crack that joke ever again so i'm in there you know i've got Tourette's. it's it's something i have to do do continue kim uh we're always looking for ways to turn cruelty on its ugly head so when we heard that serial killer jeffrey dahmer's childhood home had been put up for sale we saw an opportunity to create good out of evil 
Rather than remaining as a stark reminder of its dark past, the building can instead become the site of a celebration of culinary compassion. During the 1978 killing, Dahmer dismembered 19-year-old hitchhiker Stephen Hicks in the house and scattered his remains throughout the property. Like Dahmer's human victims, cows, pigs, and chickens are made of flesh and blood and fear for their lives when confronted by a man with a knife. They are also drugged and dragged, and their limbs are bound. Their struggles and screams are ignored as they are killed and cut up to be consumed. Their bones are thrown away like carnage. The organization wants the restaurant name to, name to be Eat for Life Home Cooking. What? Yes. I find this, this, why don't you just level the whole place? I don't understand why they've got to keep it. When we had serial killers Rose and Fred West in Britain, and people can look them up on Wikipedia, but Fred and Rose West killed a vast number of people, and it's of a similar number, I guess. Um, they just demolished the house, and, and they've built a park there. I don't understand there's nothing special about this house i don't understand why you just wouldn't level the place do you see what i mean why even bother i mean if there's vegans knocking around and i find it hard to believe that would be any you know in iowa anyway because it's such a meat-eating part of the country even ohio you know Mm. (laughs) um well there's a lot of o's and a lot of i's and i'm dyslexic so uh you know i was told um i was gonna say i was told i was uh illiterate at school and i said that can't possibly be true my both my parents are married um but also i did go to a dyslexic party once and i took an f which was very distressing there was a guy in the corner injecting a heron um but ultimately <laughs> I, I don't understand why they're keeping it just bulldoze the place down it just seems an irrelevant from what i've seen i have seen pictures of the building and it's a very long time ago but it's basically just a prefabricated kind of just one story almost trailer it's not a I don't think it's a, an impressive building. If my no, this said. is in Ohio, not Wisconsin. Oh, my mistake. Let's hope you never have to visit that state. Fabulous. There will be points awarded in large amounts. Gregs, what would you like to... I wondered if they tried to sell it to Zach Bacon since he bought that haunted house and he could do investigations there. That is true. I would suggest that might be in bad taste, but... Uh, oh, very, very bad. Why? What, after all those murders? What about the family? Uh, those... No, I was going off of your bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> You've woken up, I see. Kim, I was about to give you an abundance of points for allowing us to make such fabulous jokes, but on the back of Heather now, I'm feeling less enthusiastic. So I shall give you three just to create parity with everybody else. I'm going to go back to my um, psychic stories, actually. And, of course, all of you listening would know that if uh, you were good psychics. It says, Two psychics helped to direct family and friends to the body of a man who had drowned after falling into a river in Stratford. And, of course, Stratford's very famous in Britain for being the home of William Shakespeare. Stephen Murphy, 37, had been missing for 10 days and was found dead in the Patea River near Walking Track in King Edwards Park, Stratford, on September the 10th last year. Friends and family reached out to two psychic mediums after they realised Mr Murphy had not been seen for a number of days and the psychics directed them to the area of Kings Park where Mr Murphy's body was found the very next day. Coroner Tim Scott said in his findings... um, it says in his findings he was dead. I'd like to think the coroner could suggest more than the body was dead. Uh, Whoever wrote this article needs to do more research. Coroner Scott said Mr Murphy suffered, oh here we go, from seizures and had been drinking at the time of his death. 
he could not conclude whether he fell into the river as a result of the seizure or from intoxication i'm just thinking again you go to the coroner and he opens his report with mr murphy's dead well i'm, I'm glad we got professionals in to uh, verify that because he was green and rather swollen we now move smoothly and mercurially on with flashing lights up in the sky and spotlights from helicopters on us because we are into the round that is the second round it's ufos cryptozoology it's green men and hairy beasties heather I shall let you start our round of UFOs and cryptozoology tonight. Where are you going to take me on tonight's journey of UFOs and cryptozoology? We're going to Texas. Fabulous. Cattle mutilations. No. No. Well, maybe. I don't know. Chupi, the Texas chupacabra, has been put to sleep. Chupacabra. That's a cup of coffee in Spanish. Chip of coffee. Chip of coffee. Yes. He's been put to sleep. Yeah. A couple of days ago, we were introduced to the weird-looking creature caught by a couple in Texas. As reported at the time, the couple who captured it were quite convinced that the peculiar animal was living and breathing chupacabra. This is a dog with mange, isn't it, basically? Uh, well, we're going to get to that. Okay. Recent news on the topic says that the alleged legendary monster no longer lives with Jackie Stock and husband Bubba. The couple were advised to put the animal out of its misery, and they followed course. <laughs> no. <laughs> By the looks of it, Jackie... What? (laughs) Leave that dog alone, sir. By the looks of it, Jackie and Bubba took the animal to the shelter, and the folks here euthanized it. Given the fact that the creature looked like it was was in very poor shape and suffering, perhaps uh, humanely putting it to sleep was indeed the right thing to do. Now, very quickly, I actually have a follow-up. You're going for double the points, aren't you? I see what's happening. Um, The odd creature in Texas was, in fact, a chupacabra. Ta-da! It was a cup of coffee after It was all. a chip of coffee. Still, those who believe this to be the end of Chupi's story are in for a surprise. Thus, a piece of news that is now making headlines is the one saying that, according to conspiracy theorists, the animal captured by Jackie Stock and husband Bubba was, in fact, a chupacabra. So this is the mythical beast mm-hmm. that, over the last 200 years, has never been found or seen or recorded. They managed to capture one, and the first thing they did was shoot it. They didn't. The animal people the did. Animal, the animal cruelty people shot it. That's right. This is Texas. So <laughs> yes. If it's moving. They it's... wanted to keep it. I was reading some stories. She, They actually had a little pen for it. And they were giving it some corn and whatnot and making sure it had fresh water. And they showed it to neighbors. And the neighbors said, that doesn't look right. This and so how... they took it to the animal shelter. And the animal shelter said, <laughs> Yeah. This is how King Kong started. I mean, they put it in a cage, gave it some water, and, you know, an hour into the film, it's climbing up the Empire State Building, grabbing a woman in a ethereal dress. This won't dress. be climbing anything. It's, not cl- it's climbing a no. stairway to doggy heaven. Well, more precisely, there are voices that You mean say, it's going to hell? No, maybe. <laughs> that animal, animal regulators fear that the autopsy will reveal that the creature was the mythical chupacabra, and that this is why they cannot be bothered to have a closer look at it. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department defends itself and claims that the only reason why the autopsy has not been planned, nor will it ever be, is because it is clear as day that chupacabras do not exist, and that consequently, examining the animal caught by Jackie and Bubba would be a complete waste of time. That's like a UFO landing on your front lawn, but not investigating it because UFOs don't exist. Right. 
And that's saying that I've been using a lot recently about the fact that, you know, because you don't believe doesn't make you safe. And the sense that if you don't believe in ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists doesn't mean you're not going to get your ass kicked by one one day. Right. So all of these things come together. I, I can't believe they destroy it. That's like if you saw Bigfoot, let's just go out and shoot him too. That's what they've done. Yeah. There's a guy that claims he shot him and he's going around with a circus at the moment, little short of a freak show, showing a frozen Bigfoot in a tank. It's outrageous. Yes, I do agree with you. It's uh, very strange that it's no wonder aliens don't land on this planet, especially if in Texas. The first thing they're going to do is shoot it. I just find that remarkable, but it did, to be fair, I saw video footage of this animal and uh, it looked like a dog with mange. So I think you said, Kim, earlier that you thought they had a report now that it was a raccoon. It was a raccoon. Okay. Yeah. If you so sh- we've got a dog, a raccoon. So the best thing to do now is to go and shave a raccoon and then see if it looks like the video footage. Greg, go and get your razor. We'll see what we can do. You catch it, then I will. Okay, we heard that live on air. If I catch a raccoon, Greg will shave it. So uh, let's wait for that moment. This is the ideal opportunity to get a podcast going where we actually have video. Shaved raccoons. Shaved raccoons.com coming to you soon. And they will be female, of course. There's nothing strange or dodgy going on here. I'm going to jump to UFOs before we get removed from the air by our raccoon activists everywhere. It says a couple's infrared camera recorded images of mysterious UFOs in Mississippi this week. Edith and Raina Shattles set up an infrared... Raina Shattles. Sounds like something I get. You made this up, didn't you? No, his his name's Raina Shattles. His name. His name. Well, well, she's called Edith. So I'm guessing, you know, seeing that she's now been accounted for, Raina's going to be his name just by default. You made this up. I didn't, no. This sounds like something I get when I eat Taco Bell. You know, <laughs> you're okay, Adrian. No, I've had the rain of shackles all evening. Um, set up an infrared camera in their fields, hoping to spot some deer. But when they checked on the footage the next morning, they got quite a fright. Still images from that night appear to show two beams of light, mysteriously spaced, as if the headlights of a truck or a car were there, before the unidentified object appears to fly off into the night sky. Mrs. Shattles explained, Well, at first I was trying to see if it was something or a reason for what we were seeing. But the more we looked at it, the more we realised that it was something that was in the air. It was something that I have never seen before. There were apparently no tyre marks in the fields and there is no road nearby. And the couples are now determined to solve the mystery. The images were taken in Cumbest Bluff, a remote area of Jackson County, not far from the infamous Pasagula abductions of 1973. Have you seen this footage? Have you seen these photographs? I I saw a photograph. It looks like ATV lights. I would agree with that because what you have is a series of black and white still photographs of deer walking in front of the camera. So you get the pictures of the deer and then you see a light suddenly appear in a couple of the photographs that illuminate the entire area. And then what you see is two, what looks like two headlights directly beaming into the camera but i would suggest those headlights are about 25 to 30 foot off the ground so i'm not quite sure why those headlights or those lights would illuminate that entire area and be so high up in the air when the report says there's no roads nearby and how would you get those lights that far up anyway i would suggest but of course there are more questions and answers but very interestingly in the last few weeks, I don't know if you caught this as well, on the theme of UFOs, it says Bill Clinton has revealed he wouldn't be surprised 
if aliens visited Earth after he ordered a complete review of secret government files when he was the president. The former US president has opened up about his efforts investigating extraterrestrial life during an appearance on the Jimmy Kimmel live talk show. I just hope that it's not like Independence Day, the movie, he says. And I I would agree with that as well, because that had a very poor plot and very little character development. He said his second term in office included the 50th anniversary of the infamous Roswell incident, which sparked a generation of conspiracy theories about possible UFO crash landings. Mr Clinton said he had all the records of all the incidents and he reviewed them from time to time for the anniversary as well as for the records um, he's also looked at on the secret area 51 military based in his own words to make sure there was no alien down there while he didn't find an alien he said the truth is out there if we were visited someday I wouldn't be surprised he said there are just too many planets in the universe to think otherwise he added I would agree with him on this recently having been to some uh, lectures at MUFON and having an interest in UFOs, they now believe there's actually 12 billion planets, or sorry, 12 billion stars in our solar system and in our universe. So we can only see about 7,000 of them in the night sky, but there's 12 billion stars, and of course a star is a sun like our own. And with the Hubble telescope, they now believe there's at least one or two as a bare minimum of planets going around every single star. So if you say, for example, there's six, seven planets on average, some may be more, some may be less, going around every star and there's 12 billion stars, there has to be alien life out there. There can't possibly not be based on those statistics. It would be ridiculous to think otherwise. So I understand what he's saying, but it's very interesting as a president who's had access to all of these things and has probably signed an official secrets act for life, I would suggest, For him to say that the truth's out there and he wouldn't be surprised if we were visited one day makes me think what he's actually seen. What is he skirting around there that he can't say directly but kind of indirectly, you know, makes reference to, I guess. So just a very interesting couple of UFO stories from the world of UFOlogy this week. Kim, what have you got for me in a round of cryptozoology and UFOs? Rare goat-sheep hybrid or geep has been born in Ireland. A geep. It could be a shoat. Yes, I do, they I, mentioned that too. Really? Yes. I think you, you're going to correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure, but I think one is, it depends which way round it is, depending on which one's the father and which one's the mother. Okay. Because you can get a liger, which is a cross between a lion and a tiger, or you could get a tie on, and it's, 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 it depends which one's the dad and which one's the mum. Well, since how you're so educated on this, I was curious to know, what it would sound like. What kind of a noise is a geep going to make? <laughs> no, not a cow. Greg, that's a cow. It does concern me greatly that you have actually farmed cows in the past, and uh, that would that would be a worry for me. <laughs> you can't tell the difference. But, of course, we all know that Greg doesn't have the sound of a goat on his, uh, <gasps> sa- on his soundboard. That was a... That was a was that, that was a Greg sound. That was a Greg sound. That was the sound of a sheep. Did you know that ligers, um, they actually, you can't breed them again. That's right. Yeah. Once once they are created, that, that, that's, that's it. And I think they have a short lifespan, if I'm correct. They I can't do. remember. It's, it's a complicated process because, of course, tigers and lions come from completely different continents. They would never, ever meet each other. They're just from different parts of the world. So they only get together you know in zoos you know they play a bit of romantic music and uh, there'll be some candles and uh, some roses and 
you know, not very tasty, but plenty of roughage, obviously. And then, you know, the lion and the tiger, you know, kind of get it on. And the lion spends, you know, at least an hour trying to get the tiger's stripy pyjamas off. And then, you know, due to frustration. <laughs> you have thought about this way too much. <laughs> in, in actuality, it's spontaneous. <laughs> but I'm just wondering how that happens, you know. I'm just, I just imagine the lion trying There's to more get, questions and answers. Trying to get the tiger's pajamas off. It could be very disappointing <laughs> for it. So there is a story trying to get out. So uh, where are we going with this? Um, the unusual cross between a goat and a sheep was born two weeks ago on Murphy's Farm in Ballymore, Eustace County, Kildare. The farmer thinks the rare lamb is the result of a male goat mating one of his Cheviot ewes. Despite widespread shared pasturing of goats and sheep, hybrids are very rare because of the genetic distance between the two species and usually results in stillborns. But Murphy's Geep seems to be doing Geep. just fine. Murphy's Geep. And the farmer hopes to look after it for as long as possible. Murphy's Gimp. <laughs> He's absolutely thriving. He's running around a lot quicker than the other lambs which were born. He, was mu- he has much longer legs. The ewe has taken to him just like he's another lamb. There's no difference in how he's been reared. What does it taste like? (laughs) It's got long legs. They've not caught it yet. (laughs) That's terrible. I would think that's good. (laughs) A cross between goat and and lamb would be a really good food source, wouldn't it? What's with you and taste tonight? Well, I I must be the only person who walks around the zoo and wonders what all the animals taste like. That is true. But I, I do like my food. But, you know, goat is a very flavorful food and uh, i've had some fabulous goat curries in africa and various places and and, um well there's worse things to eat in africa i can assure you and ultimately you know lamb i think is the biggest selling meat in britain you know you'd have roast lamb on a sunday and there'd be lamb chops and a shoulder of lamb with a bit of rosemary and garlic and maybe some mint sauce i'm just wondering Hmm. what that tastes like i mean it seems like a perfectly reasonable question we may find out in the next couple of weeks if it doesn't last. <laughs> they are looking for help to name it. Dinner. I call it dinner. <laughs> there you go. And then just to go back on your liger a little bit, um, science, scientists found that a hybrid had 57 chromosomes, a number in between that of sheep and goats. So it's met so it's in got the 57. middle. Wow. Yes. I wonder how many humans have got. I should know this. You should. I'll go and do some research. There are, of course more questions than answers kim you shall shall receive a resplendent two points for that you are now on five be sure to stay tuned as we explore further this week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors the lakes area paranormal interest group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal the group's primary focus is on the topic of ufos but they also delve into alien abductions cryptozoology Bigfoot, crop circles, goats, sheep and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Branquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in cold, dark basements in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. Or indeed, standing in a field with a laser pen shining up at the sky saying, Here I am, come and get me. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. 
Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend, including Bill Clinton. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you wish to be one of the show's sponsors and hear your business or product advertised by the dulcet tones of an eccentric Englishman live on air, going out to the nation and beyond, please contact the show and I would love to hear from you. If it's paranormal and in the news, I'm talking about it on more questions than answers. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend, that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I'm your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on it. I've had a good run of that, haven't I, to be fair? Mind you, pushing your luck a little bit. (laughs) I am. The fact that I'm saying it every week, of course, is helping me in all of this. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have possibly been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50% of the show still left to go. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring from the room next door, although I will be checking her pulse at some point during the course of the show. Let's throw her in a dumpster. Let me just get this right. (laughs) You're going to want to take my mother and put her in a dumpster. Wow. You're now on one point, minus two. My mother will be pleased. If you're checking her pulse and, you know. If I'm checking her pulse, I'm assuming there's still one there. I mean, my dad's going to be laying next to her, hopefully, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if my what dad would... What would he say if we picked her up and took her out of there? My dad would be thankful that the snoring stopped is what will happen. <laughs> I must tell you a very brief story. My dad um, was a fencer. He fenced, you know, with foils, and it's an Olympic sport, and you dress up with the mask and have all the white gear on, and uh, subsequently my dad fenced regularly, you know, a couple of times a week, and is now a fencing coach. But uh, one of the things you get from fencing um, that you get in similar other sports, I guess, is that if you get hit in the ribs or on the torso, it creates a, a bruise. Because if someone's running at you with a foil and it's only got a small tip on the end, you know, if you've got a, a six foot two Olympic fencer running at you and he hits you with that small point in your ribs, that's a lot of pressure in a small area and it hurts. So subsequently, my dad used to have bruises on his ribs that he accounted to fencing and uh, doing fencing a couple of times a week then after many many years of marriage he was laying in bed one night he'd woken up two o'clock in the morning my mother leant over elbowed him in the ribs and he said what did you do that for and apparently every time my dad was snoring my mum used to elbow him in the ribs and he spent 30 years thinking he'd been hit doing fencing and that he was covered (laughs) in bruises but I will tell you one other thing I used to fence as well to a, to a reasonably high level back in the 90s. And what happens if you get hit during a fencing tournament, um, the foil, the end of the foil gets caught on your jacket or your clothing and it moves it slightly. So even though it's protective, it does create like little burn marks and little bruises. So there was an occasion where I got caught a couple of times on my neck 
and the jacket did its job because it goes up to the neck but it created some burn marks on my neck like little bruises and uh, the girl I was dating at the time um, said to me as I came home what have you got on your neck because she thought they were love bites or I believe you call them hickeys over here and I looked in the mirror and the guy that I was fencing that night was a good friend of mine his name was Frank and she said what are those hickeys doing on your neck and I said, OK, it's OK. It's nothing to worry about. That was Frank. <laughs> so uh, we had to have a bit of discussion after that. But I digress. We move into our third round, which is a round of strange and bizarre. It's all the stories from around the week that can't go into any other category that are too good to pass up. Heather, you've started every round tonight, so I'm going to keep with tradition because who likes change? And uh, what have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre. North Carolina police seek man who sucked toes at Walmart. Ooh. Did he suck his own or someone else's? I think it was somebody else's. Well, didn't they just... I don't understand how you can't just walk away from that. Is he? Is the person walking... Because their foot is in his mouth. That's oh. why you can't walk away. <laughs> you could hop away. Should we have a discussion about how you had your blood pressure measured in Walmart? Is that, oh, Kim's woken up. There we go. <laughs> Would you like to explain to the listeners how you had a blood pressure check no, in Walmart? No. You don't? You can do it. Well, there was an occasion, um, I'm led to believe, that you were having your blood pressure taken. And in Walmart, you can sit down just outside the pharmacy and you put your hand through a, you know, a, a kind of a device that inflates and measures your blood pressure. And it's done automatic. No one has to be there. There's no doctor. But of course, what you need to do is to take your jacket off because you know that inflation of that bladder around your arm to check your blood pressure obviously if there's uh, restrictions and there's clothing in the way so would you like to carry on or shall i just continue just continue i don't know if anyone's ever seen websites and facebook sites of uh, people of walmart if you happen to see someone who looks very similar to heather just in a bra Um, I would be interested to see if that footage was available because what you did, of course, is you went to take your sweater off and uh, I believe T-shirt came with it. And as the whole thing went over your head to measure your blood pressure, you ended up standing in the middle of the pharmacy in Walmart in your bra. Is that correct? Sexy time. Maybe. So ultimately, ultimately, there was many, many gentlemen over the age of 60 that then obviously had to have their blood pressure checked as well but a fabulous story so this this uh, person has someone else's toes yeah in their mouth police say a man in north carolina sucked a woman's toes at walmart after he convinced her he was a podiatry student and persuaded her to take off her shoes well she's only got herself to blame was there a moment where she said i'm sure i had a corn plaster on my toe when i started that's that's disgusting that's gonna catch on the way down isn't it a corn plaster it's like a Almost like a lifesaver in many ways. Why do you know this? Why? Why do you know this? Well, that it's going to catch on. Because I've been swimming in public baths. <laughs> Detective Dennis Harris said the woman agreed to try on several pairs of shoes at the discount store in Lincolnton. And that at some point during the process, the man stuck her foot in his mouth. Wow. <laughs> That's just wrong. <laughs> Harris said the man apparently tried the same thing at another Walmart 15 miles away, where he told a woman he was conducting a survey on the feet of different races and nationalities. It's lucky he didn't say it was a gynecologist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm speechless. 
Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Minus two. That's, that's Greg. That's not me. That reminds me of my wedding night. Oh! <laughs> we had a soundboard with us then as well. <laughs> uh, the second woman also agreed to take off her shoes, but left when the suspect asked her to take her socks off. Both confrontations happened on money, Monday. Happened with money. <laughs> happened with money. Police are looking for the man. So he escaped, did he? He did. <laughs> yes. There needs to be some sort of photo fit of a toe sucker. That's uh, terrible. <laughs> I just appallingly My bad. toes are a little long. You want to gnaw on that for a while? Could you could climb trees with those. Put your socks back on. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you're like a monkey, you are. I can't believe you're sat there taking your shoes and socks off. Don't you want to see what it was like? I can't believe you, you could pick coconuts out of a palm tree with those. What's wrong with you? Put your shoes and socks on. Wow. I don't know whether to give you points or not. I'm actually, this is normally a, a, an autocratic dictatorship. It's very fascist in nature that I just give the points out. Yeah. What I'm tempted to do is to open this up to democratic rule and find out via the panel whether you should get points for that or not because I'm undecided. So, a show of hands, who thinks Heather should? A show of points. feet. A show of feet. <laughs> One for every toe. One for every toe. Don't, can you put your feet back down, Kim, actually? That's quite off-putting. Wow. And why are you missing a toe, Greg? God, it was like a bear trapper's hat. <laughs> Greg's missing a toe. <laughs> and what did we conclude from that? Are you getting points or not? Winning. Winning. Okay, I'll just give you three. You're now on four points. Kim, save me from the madness. It is the round of the bizarre and strange. Dating website Match.com asked bisexual customers to pay for double the standard subscription cost <laughs> in order to search for both men and women. It's lucky they're not paying by the inch. <laughs> what? Greg, that's only going to be $2.50. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Uh-oh. fair enough. I'll give you three. <laughs> Every wrinkle's an inch. Kim, where are we? Help me. A bisexual <laughs> user was told by the site last year they would need to pay twice the sus- subscription. I can't even say subscription. It. Subscription cost in order to search for male and female members. The message also <laughs> contained. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Members. Just. <laughs> so they're searching for members and they've got to pay twice yes that does seem unreasonable <laughs> oh. the subscription costs to match.com start at nine dollars and can be as high as 50 per month wow meaning a bisexual user would therefore need to pay up to fifty dollars in order to interact with both or i say take that back a hundred dollars to interact with both sexes both members both. <laughs> Wow, it's confusing, mm. isn't it? You yes. get a hundred percent of the field is what you're getting, isn't it? You know, you, you yes. could. Uh, so, is it justified or not? What you're asking me? I'm just asking. I think I think it seems unreasonable. I think if you're on the site, you can just look for whoever you want, can't you? You know, well, it seems- as it turns out, Match.com put out an apology and said, "We realize this is not an ideal situ- situation," and they're looking into it. <laughs> as with a number of dating sites within the UK. It is not possible to set up a profile to review both male and female profiles at the same time. Oh. Therefore, bisexual members will need two separate profiles. Oh, I see what's happening. Dun, dun, yes. dun. It's just a software error. 
That's what we're yes. looking at. Software. What about the hardware? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how you fluctuate between points, Heather. It's like a roller coaster. It is. You're up and down here constantly. You're back on. You two. said up and down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, really? Beavis and Butthead sit over there. <laughs> Give me some nachos. I want to kick your ass, Beavis. <laughs> No, no high fives. Any slapping sound? No high fives. You said slapping sound. <laughs> What's wrong with you both? Have you been on the source? Unbelievable! I'm going to rescue everything. Yeah. I'm going to go to a mystery surrounding the deaths of twins in a home. Strange, sad, and macabre. The discovery of the skeletal remains of twin brothers Andrew and Anthony Johnson has mystified neighbours and others in Chattanooga and beyond. Each man was found seated in an easy chair inside their modest home they shared for decades, and where they apparently died together about three years ago, with no obvious signs of foul play. Police went to the home after being asked to check on the brothers by a relative who had a key. Officers found the twins' decomposing bodies sitting in recliners in the living room. Their conditions suggested that both men had been dead since 2011. I wonder if they accidentally turned on their television and uh, found an episode of Friends and both lost the will to live. That's what my suggestion would be. (laughs) But Chattanooga residents are formulating their own theories, as if that wasn't a good enough one. Was there a gas leak that killed them? Was it a double suicide or were they poisoned? Or did they just sit down one day and die together? After Christmas dinner, my dad will sit in the armchair and create a similar atmosphere, to be honest. Police made a welfare check on them in 2011 at the request of a relative, but found nothing untoward to lead them to actually break into the house. They said a relative told them... Then how did they do the check? Well, in 2011, I, I guess they were just checking to see if there was any break-ins. If they'd have looked through the window, they'd have seen them both moulded to their armchair, wouldn't they? I mean, after... Yeah, melted to it. Yeah, Eww. I just imagine a burglar breaking into the house with a flashlight and you go into the lounge and... Uh, what type of lackadaisical welfare check was that? Lackadaisical... It does seem bizarre that they checked in 2011, but then didn't bother again until, like, this week, because that's a right. three-year gap. So after they checked initially, you'd think within the last three years they'd have thought, hang on, we still haven't seen them. We've checked on them <laughs> once already. Let's go and have another look. But uh, it's very interesting. They're twins, of course, but to die both at the same time in separate armchairs that must have been a, a really interesting tv show they i'm just well, they haven't been checked on for so long you don't know if they died at the same time that's right <laughs> i would like to think i would like to think and i hear what you're saying because we've read so many stories of the bizarre and strange on this show i'd like to think that one wouldn't just sit there and let the other one kind of decompose why, why couldn't the one die and the other one assume the other one's identity and they just act like that person for a while the other one could have been dead for five years before that i get the impression that they're decomposing at a similar rate to be honest yeah but uh any it just reminds me of course we had a story i believe a couple of weeks ago where where a gentleman died and then the wife died you know exactly at the same time because she couldn't live without him live without him and you actually told me i believe on the show that there's a chemical reaction that takes place within women i think kim you may have mentioned this that, that means there's a greater chance of having a heart attack if you're heartbroken in women. It's, it's, it's been proved scientifically and chemically. But, I mean, if there was a similar bond between two twin brothers and they lived together all their life, you could imagine that a similar situation perhaps took place where one died and the other one just kind of threw in the, 
threw in the uh, fight, if you like, and just yeah. sat down and did a very similar thing. But of course, they could have committed suicide. Suicide amongst elderly people is how the biggest they? percentage. Um, they were 63 years old. If you ask me That's how old the other one was, I will come across them. <laughs> <laughs> they were both 63 years old. <laughs> terrible. I will continue. I've got another story here of the, of the strange and the bizarre. It says a Chinese woman has undergone surgery to remove a bullet lodged in her skull for 48 years um, without her knowledge. Um, how can you not remember being shot? I mean, that must have been a really wild Friday night out, mustn't it? To not remember. She says she doesn't remember. Um, it says the 62-year-old woman, identified only by her surname, Zao, went to the doctors after suffering from constant headaches, a blocked nose and swollen lymph nodes for more than... Nymph nodes? <laughs> nymph. <laughs> I hate it when my nymph nodes swell. <laughs> a, nymph's, a nymph's load is only going to be very small, to be fair, isn't it? <laughs> Nymphs are like fairies and its load's going to be, you know, in ratio to its... Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Doctors then discovered she had a bullet 2.5 centimetres long and 0.5 centimetres wide buried in her skull and managed to extract it during surgery. Mrs Zao from Liaoning province told local press, I am happy that the bullet did not kill me. I'm grateful to it for allowing me to live and have the opportunity of my life with my family. Want China Times reports that she was hit on her right temple when she was 14 years old, but she believed it to be just a stone. What? Wow. Do you feel that now? <laughs> <gasps> Terrible. You're going to go to hell. She's lucky she doesn't suffer from hay fever. She could have killed somebody. Apparently. <laughs> oh, she, when she blows her nose, the, the huh? It was lodged up her nose eventually. That's where it ended up. It indicates the level of uh, cerebralism, doesn't it? This woman was shot in the head, but the bullet missed her brain by four to five inches. <laughs> Adrian, uh, Lee. Under those circumstances, it's no wonder she doesn't remember it. Well, she thought she was hit in the face with a stone? She thought when she was 14, she got hit on the side of the head with a stone, and she didn't think no didn't more. did that leave a mark? It's going to sting, isn't it? <laughs> it got as far as her nose. This is appalling. That's I just, a terrible story. Put that away. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll put it away. Not, we are moving. Does anyone have any more? There's points to be had. I've, I've lost track of all of this. Heather, you're on two. Kim, what? Kim, well, your score keeps going up and down like a roller coaster. Greg's still on. Greg. Frank. 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 I need that name tag again. <laughs> it's not the first time you've been called something beginning with F, to be fair. Um, you're currently on minus five, and uh, I'm on five as well, because I've just written that in. Heather, you're on two. We're all on five there, apart from Greg, who's on minus five. Heather, you're on two. We are going to move into our final round of the evening. This is called Not For Your Mother. Those familiar? with the show will realize this is the point of the show where there's news stories from around the world that for various reasons normally due to a uh, base comedic reasons can't be heard in front of your mother so if your mother's easily offended wheel her uh, out wheel her out <laughs> check her pulse yeah check her pulse make sure she's still breathing put a mirror in front of her face but then throw her in the dumpster throw her in the dumpster and uh, the, the, the garbage is removed every tuesday i'm led to believe if there's young children running around, then obviously introduce them to a liger and see what happens there. <laughs> and uh, you have been warned. So 
our round, our final round of the evening. Not for your mother. Kim, I think I'm going to start with you. You are tied for the lead at the moment on a very healthy five. What have you got for our round? Large, gigantic, or humongous. Yes. All of those things, thank you. Early NASA astronauts had to disclose penis size for spacesuits. Oh, man. <laughs> it is cold up there in space, to be fair. Well, then why do they need large, ginormous, and humongous? Because they were going into re-entry. Uh! <laughs> I'm going to give myself three points. According to a former NASA life support system expert who helped construct space diapers, otherwise known as Maximum Absorbency Garment Systems. Fabulous. Each astronaut in the Gemini and Apollo programs had to wear a condom-type sheath with a hole at the end for urination inside their suits. In an interview on the Science Channel's Moon Machines documentary series about early space travel, engineer Donald Rethke, known in space history circles as Dr. Flush, describes how these condoms came in specific sizes to accommodate each astronaut's anatomical size. There was small, medium, and liar. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, it was small, medium, and large. The problem was that all of the astronauts kept saying large, and it caused a leakage problem. (laughs) So in order to accommodate their egos... They asked the nurse. (laughs) They changed it to large, gigantic, or humongous. Because you've got to remember that these guys are fighter pilots and test pilots, and they're going to be the kind of macho jocks. You know, I've seen. Oh, what was that? Wow. 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 That was rather squeaky. Was that trying to fit one? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need to get a tire lever, sweetie. (laughs) Greg's on fire. I'm going to give him zero. No, that means he's gained five points, to be fair. Didn't you do some research, Kim, on, we have a- <laughs> on penis sizes? That I work? used my spaghetti measurer. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I borrowed my mother's when I was 15. <laughs> I have no comment. It's taken years for this research. I bet it has. That's remarkable. Wow. I don't know what to suggest other than to go to Heather to hear her story. I did warn people this was not the for your mother. The research I was talking about is Kim did research on an astronaut well, from just, our area. Yes, we had uh, just over in Sherburne, Minnesota, we had an astronaut. Um, Dale Gardner was his name, and his uh, shuttle was 1983. Really? And what size was he? Do we know? Don't know. Didn't ask. Didn't ask. Didn't get it. I met him once. Yeah? And what do you think? <laughs> I was just in elementary school. Okay, then that's in a Early education. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what they were at that time. No. So I'm just saying. You had to wait a couple of years, didn't you? Until they got you into Until the- I was seven, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> My mum said if I had nothing nice to say, not to say anything at all. What have you um, got for me for not fear mother? Brazilian World Cup coach will allow players to have non-acrobatic sex before matches. That's Philip Scolari, isn't he? The manager of Brazil. Louis Philip Scolari. Advice- Is that, does that mean all the women have got to do the work? you just got to lie there. I'll describe it here in a second. He advises his players against acrobatics during sex. Acrobatics? What, are they do- what have they got? A trapeze and a trampoline going on? I don't know what they've got going on there. The coach of the Brazilian World Cup team has told his players that they are allowed to score the night before the games, as long as they don't do anything acrobatic in the bedroom that would limit their abilities on the pitch. 
Wow. <laughs> That's, uh... Scolari addressed the issue during a press conference. The 2002 World Cup winning coach said normally, normal sexual intercourses are made in a balanced way, but there are certain forms, certain ways, and others who do acrobatics. The Brazilian team will kick off the 2014 FIFA World Cup against Croatia on June 12th. If it's normal sex, okay. If this is normal, it is normal. It is not sending oneself in the air too high. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to read that again. What's acrobat? I don't understand what, what strange practices they're doing in Brazil. What are they doing? Taking a run-up or something? With I, a- I don't know what to say. His main statement is, it's normal sex. It's not sending yourself in the air too high when you have sex. What, what is she doing? Laying in the yard and you're on the second floor hanging out the window. Or you're on top and of the closet. Jump. This reminds me of a story I heard of neighbours hearing lots of commotion and banging coming from next door to a point where they thought they'd better call the police. The police burst into the house. They went up into the bedroom and what they saw was a woman tied to the bed and there was no one else there. And this woman was slightly emaciated. She'd been there for a long time. Was still alive, but obviously was lacking in in, in fluids and so forth. She was, uh, you know, had been tied up long enough that she hadn't had enough to drink. And what's the word I'm struggling for when you... You're dehydrated. That's what I wanted. She's dehydrated. The banging's coming from the closet. And the closet's locked from the outside. They unlock the closet, open up the door. Her husband fell through the top of the closet because he climbed on top of it, fell through, broke his legs, was in a Superman outfit, but then couldn't get out because the closet was locked from the outside. Then he wasn't really Superman, was he? Well, I'm not suggesting for what, and it was Wonder Woman waiting for him. (laughs) Well, I've heard the similar stories too and where they'll jump off of a dresser or something and hit the ceiling fan. Oh, no. Or a fold-out bed will fold up on them and they're in the bed for... Yes. Where is this? Well, on a fold-up bed... And then the bed folds up on them, Greg? and they can't get out. Yeah, how's that working, I ain't know Greg? nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it straight from the horse's mouth. I will mention this one's for you, not for your mother, of course. It says, a man allowed a hyena to attack him and eat his genitals after being told it would help him to become rich. hyena weena. <laughs> to be fair, he is now all over the world's press, and I'm sure there'll be a film looming shortly involving Sandra Bullock. What? <laughs> Chamengaina Zulu said he wanted or he was mauled by the animal in the African bush. Um, in a bush? Well he needs to trim it then I would suggest. <laughs> as well as as well as eating his genitals, Zulu also said he ate three of his toes. Oh my so word. I wondered what? if that was the guy running around Walmart. Um Wow, he's blessed apparently if it's down by his toes. It happened after he arrived in Chapata where he says he met with a witch doctor who told him that sacrificing his body parts was the best way to become rich. Speaking to the Times of Zambia, Zulu, who is age 24, said, I came from Malawi, and when I arrived in Japata, I met some business persons who told me the best way to become rich was to sacrifice my body parts. I went to the bush where I was instructed to be naked, and Aina came to me and started eating my toes, and eventually... My manhood was taken. Well, who's laughing now? After being attacked... Wow. Good doggy, give him his testicles back. After being attacked, he crawled to a road where he was taken to hospital by passing police officers. You That's like this one, horrible. Don't? Yeah, give a dog a bone. Oh, 
you're now back to three. After being attacked, he crawled back to the road. He is now being treated at Chipata General Hospital, who confirmed he had lost his genitals following the incident. The hyena has uh, so far refused to comment. Um, that must be like a snack to them, mustn't it? That must be like what you'd eat while you're watching the TV or the Super Bowl or something. Just a kind of light... Chewy. Chewy. <laughs> <laughs> Those testicles are repeating on me. I it's guess like it bubble comes... gum. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> What strange tasting chewing gum, but wow, what bubbles. I guess it comes as a blessing to all involved that this poor gentleman has removed himself from the gene pool because he can no longer have children, of course. What bits did they actually take? All of them? He lost three toes and he lost his marbles, his plums. What if you about think the he lost other his part? vegetables, uh, apparently the meat was still intact. Just, but the veg are gone. The veg are gone. Um, obviously not the Atkins diet. The protein <laughs> remains, but the carbohydrates have long since disappeared. You got a potato there, huh? I don't think wow. <laughs> the old spuds. Magic. I would love to hear all of your comments and suggestions. As long as they're not mean, you can send those ones to Coast to Coast. Links to tonight's stories of the strange, paranormal and bizarre can be seen in all their glory on my Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can send me an email to mqta at rocketmail.com. I will suggest to people, actually, if they wish to go to that Facebook site, it is fabulous. That's more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. All of our stories are there. There's comments from all over the world, various stories. We only have an opportunity to present a small amount of stories in the time we have available for us there. And there's lots of discussions. We have over 3,700 people following us on Facebook, which is glorious. And they're listening to the madness that is more questions and answers. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery is Greg, who managed to claw himself to a respectable zero. <laughs> Heather, you have come in in third place on three. Kim, you have five, but tonight... But I was winning. Well, you was winning and losing all the way through there in various amounts at various times. But I, tonight, am the winner on eight points, which gives me the $33,000 ir camera do not fear listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird where old people get thrown into dumpsters <laughs> men lose their testicles to a hyenas and various people have their toes sucked Please tell your friends and family about the show and how good the sheep-goat combination tastes. And feel free to contact me at any time via my Facebook site if you're hovering over a field in Tennessee at the moment. Which is more questions than answers with Adrian Leo. You can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, happy birthday by the way, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.